This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. I just want you to understand that we need forgiveness. We need forgiveness. And if you're in here today, there's a lot of different reasons why we need forgiveness to be a part of our life. But probably the most primary reason that we experience on a day-to-day basis is that you've been wronged. You've been wronged. And the idea of being wronged is that, that somebody has done something to us that was not right. They've done something to us that was not right. And at times, this is complicated, okay? Uh, this is a complicated uh, issue. And let me give you a scenario that expresses how complicated this is. Imagine if you're at home, and let's just say you're a wife, and you're preparing uh, for an evening with your family. You're cooking dinner. A husband comes home. Kids come home. And then you get the, the dinner is prepared on the table. It's time to sit down. And husband gets a call from work. And he answers the call, steps outside, and doesn't come in for an hour. Okay? Now, it's very easy in that, one, that moment, if you're, if you're the wife that's cooked the meal, to say, I have been wronged. I prepared all day for this. You're not in here. You took a business call when it's supposed to be family time. But what if that call was coming from a client? where the the potential of that sale could change the financial future of your family for the next several years? What if that call was an emergency because your husband has responsibilities at work and he has to, he has to take that call? What, What if one of his employees died in an accident? When he walked back in the door, You may feel like you've been wrong, but really, both of you are right. See, I think that being wronged is born out of this idea. It's a very simple idea that I'm right and they're wrong. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. How many times have you ever argued that in your head? I'm right. They're wrong. They, They should not have done that. I'm right. And what I have noticed is that often when we're arguing the case of I'm right, there are a lot of times that both people were right in their own ways. But you need to know this about yourself. Your rightness is not enough. Your rightness is not enough. Isaiah, in Isaiah 64, describes the condition of our capacity to be right. He says, for all have become like one who is ceremonially unclean, like a leper. This is from the Amplified Bible. I love the way it explains this verse. And all of our deeds of unrighteousness are like filthy rags. All of our attempts to be right are like filthy rags. All of every all, all all of our attempts to do the right thing, to be the right person, all of us trying to do the right thing are like filthy rags. We all wither and decay like a leaf, and our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, and our wrongdoing 
like the wind, takes us away, carrying us far from God's favor towards destruction. This is for every person in the room. Our righteousness, our rightness before God is like a, like a, like a, like a mound of unclean rags. In other words, you can't be right. The only way that you're right is that you are made right. That the rightness of Christ, the righteousness of Christ is imputed to you and given to you and you're allowed to live right because of what Jesus did for you. See, far too many times we make the issue, I'm right, they're wrong. And what happens when that happens in our hearts is we become number two, we, you're offended. The reason we need forgiveness is you're offended. More often than not, when we're concerned with right and we're concerned with wrong, the, the things that happen in our heart are not really wrongs, they're offense. Something happened that we took offense to. And I want you to see today that that's actually the plan of the enemy. The enemy wants to get you offended. Because when you're offended, your love for God and your love for each other will grow cold. We need forgiveness because it dismantles offense. Look at this, Matthew 24, verse 10. And Jesus is speaking about the last days, the days that would precede his return. He said, and then, then being the, the last days, many will be offended This is what will happen as a result of that. They will betray one another and will hate one another. Because they become offended, they will break relationship, and then they'll have harsh feelings towards each other. We need forgiveness because it cuts off offense. Offense does something to our hearts. It kind of hardens us towards other people. Look at this, Proverbs 18, 19. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. What's a strong city? Do you know? A strong city in those days for Solomon would have been a a city that had a wall built around it. A brother offended is is harder to win than a city. Why? Because an offense causes us to build a wall around our heart. Not let others in. Not let people close. We need forgiveness. And we need forgiveness because, number three, we've sinned. We've sinned. Sin is real, and you can't, there's not a relationship with one person alive that sin won't be a part of the story of that relationship. At all. Let let, let me just say, say this. Perfection and performance are bad metrics for you to understand the quality of the relationships you have in your life. Because we are all sinners. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We are all going to miss the target. And because of that, if you constantly are downgrading people because you see sin in their lives, I just want you to understand that you're not living with the kind of grace and forgiveness God wants you to. Jesus tells us what's going to happen as a result of all this offense, kind of filling the hearts of people. He says this in Matthew 24. This is two verses later. And because of this, there will be an increase in wickedness, and the love of most will grow cold. 
there will be an increase in wickedness. Do you realize that unforgiveness is wickedness? Do you realize that not being willing to give what you have been given through Jesus is wicked, it is sinful. We've prayed that prayer a thousand times, forgive me as I forgive those who have sinned against me. Like that's the will of God that you would forgive. And so what happens when we're not willing to forgive? The love that we have for God and the love that we have for others starts to grow cold. So here's the big idea for today, big idea. Forgiveness and grace are the only ways to have healthy and sustainable relationships. That's it. That's it. You will never have great relationships because of performance and perfection. The only way that you will ever live in thriving, healthy relationships is because of grace and forgiveness. That's it. And so many of us do not get this. Okay, because we live with really high expectations and really low levels of grace. High expectations, low levels. Of, here's what I've noticed. When the levels of forgiveness and grace are low, the levels of drama, tension, and stress are high. When the levels of grace are low, The levels of drama, tension, and stress are high. And here's the thing. God does not want you to live with drama in your life all the time because somebody's done something that you felt was wrong. He doesn't want you to live with tension with people because they've done something that you felt was wrong. He doesn't want you to live with stress because people all around you seem to be getting it wrong. He doesn't want that. And when you live with that, it is an indicator that your level of grace, your capacity to dole out grace is at a low. It's at a low. See, all of us are going to face situations. There's troubles that are coming in our life. People are going to sin. They are going to do things that offend us or could offend us, okay? And we carry in our hands like we carry through life two buckets, right? And here's that, that, that potential offense happens in our life. And, it, and it's like a fire starts right in front of us. And we have in one hand a can of gasoline. And in the other hand, a bucket of water. And when we decide to throw judgment at it, when we decide to throw gossip at it, when we decide to throw unforgiveness at it, when we decide to throw high expectations at that, when we decide to do that, we take gasoline and pour it on the fire and it flames up. But when we take grace and pour it on that fire, it kills it. It kills it. So today I'm going to talk about two things. I'm going to talk about what do we need to do when we need forgiveness, right? We've done something wrong. We need to be f forgiven for something that we've done. And then what do we do when we need to forgive, when we need to forgive others that have hurt us? So let's go through the first thing. What do we do when we need forgiveness? The first thing we need to do is we need to recognize. We need to recognize. This is very hard for many of us, okay? 
Some of y'all are in here today, and you know that there's somebody you hurt, and you need forgiveness. You need to recognize that. And here's the first step to doing that. You need to listen to the people that love you. You need to listen to the people that love you. People who are willing to have a hard conversation with you and point out something that's difficult, that just step up and say, hey, every time we're around those people, you constantly put me down to make yourself look better. I need you to understand that hurts my feelings. Listen to those. Don't dismiss them and just say, oh, you're just jealous. Don't do that. Listen. And then don't make an excuse or deflect. And I'm going to explain those two terms. Don't make an excuse. Don't say, that's just my personality. That's how I am. Let me just say this. If your personality is sinful, God can change it. Don't use your personality as an excuse. And don't deflect. Deflecting is saying it was somebody else's fault. Well, you know, it's not really my fault because everybody else in the room was doing the exact same thing. That's deflecting. It's passing the blame onto someone. So don't, don't make excuses. Don't deflect. And then seek advice from godly influencers. There are people in your life that you need to go to and say, hey, my wife came to me. And she said, you know what, when you get around a group of friends, you're constantly putting me down so that you can appear a little bit better. It really hurts my feelings. Do you see that in me? Is that real? Seek advice. Let people speak into that situation. You need to recognize. Then number two, you need to repent. You need to repent. Far too many of us do not understand what it means to repent. We only think of repentance as apologizing. Apologizing is just simply acknowledging a wrong. That's not repentance at all. The first thing you need to do if you're going to repent for something is that you need to confess your part and don't blame others. All right? Confess your part. Hey, hey, you're right. You know what? You're absolutely right. I do that. After thinking about it and praying about it and looking at my behavior, I've noticed that I do put you down. I'm so sorry that I do that. That's not the way that I want to treat you. It's never been the intention of my heart. I'm sorry. That's sinful. It was prideful. I just want to confess that for you. Then ask for forgiveness and receive forgiveness. All right? Would you please forgive me for that sin? Would you please? Because that that was sinful of me. It was prideful of me. Would you please forgive me? Most of us stop there, though. That's where we think repentance. That's not the end of repentance. The word repentance in the Greek literally means to turn around, to change directions. And so repentance needs to also end with you committing to grow. You know, from now on, if I start to do that, will you point that out to me? Will you let me know? Cut me off. Tell me that I'm doing it again because I don't want to do that. I need you to point it out. Don't let it linger. Don't let me do it. Help me, please. Because I don't want to do it. I'm committing to you right now that I never want to do that again. Committing to growth. And then respond. Number three. So we recognize, we repent, and then we respond. Which means that it's not just about saying, I'm sorry. We actually need to respond to the people. We need to make the appropriate changes that need to be made because of that circumstance. We need to listen to what's going on. We need to get some godly advice. We need to make appropriate 
changes. But I want you to realize this. This is hard for us to, especially if we're the ones that are, that are, 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 are in the wrong and, and we know that we're asking for forgiveness. It's hard for us when it's been a big deal. But the greater the trauma, the greater the care that's needed to recover. There's a difference in the time of recovery that goes from, you know, honey, I told you I was going to be home at 6 and I got home at 6.30. There's a difference between that and abuse. Okay? And I I want you to understand today that some of y'all have came through some very difficult circumstances. And there's a lot of care that needs to be leveraged in that as a part of the process of forgiveness. And the greater the trauma as a result of what's been done and what you're asking for forgiveness over, the longer that it's going to take to recover from that. The more care, and I'm just saying, if it's a big, huge deal, we're talking about major deal relationally, especially with your spouse or with a child. Like There probably needs to be counseling. There needs to be some outside intervention that's done. And then we need to respond to express needs. We need to respond to express needs. I just want you to hear this, okay? Because if there's been a situation where you've done something to somebody that was abusive and very wrong, they may express to you, I need to never see you again. I I need to never have you in the same room with me ever, ever again. And you should honor that. Don't push that boundary. That's how you got into the place that you're in. Honor that. Respond to the express needs. If it's, if it's your wife who's saying, I need more time. You know, this happened because we didn't have enough time. And I need more time with you. Give her time. Okay? If it's a husband who's saying, I just need to hear you honor me a little bit more. I just need to hear you affirm the things that I'm doing in our life. Then give him what's being expressed. Don't withhold that good thing. So we need... To recognize, repent, and then respond. But what do we do when we need to forgive others? How do we handle that? Well, the first thing that we have to do is we need to evaluate what we're dealing with. We need to evaluate what we're dealing with. Are we dealing with a wrong, an offense, or are we dealing with sin? Are we dealing with Something that's just, it, it's, it's a perception issue. It's I think I'm right. They think they're right. I, I feel like I was wronged in this scenario. Are we dealing with a situation where because something happened, there was something that was done that I didn't prefer to happen, now I'm carrying an offense with me? And it's not even, oftentimes offenses aren't even like a representation of the truth. More often than not, an offense actually represents something that was born in your mind, a lie that you believe from the enemy. Or are you dealing with sin? Somebody that sinned against you. So what we really need to do is we need to ask for clarity. God, help, help me understand. Help me understand. Because I, I, don't, I don't see this clearly right now. I don't know what I'm dealing with. We probably at times need to have some conversations 
with people who are godly, people who love us, who are not biased in the situation, who can give us some insight and some wisdom. Help me. I just want to share it. Would you help me see what's going on here? Am I am I offended? Am I am I am I carrying offense in this situation, or or is this really a situation where like there needs to be forgiveness here? So the first thing that I want you to understand is that when we need to forgive others, is that we need to give grace freely. If we're going to forgive well, there's no way that we can ever forgive well in life without learning to do this, to give grace freely. You may say, why, why is it that? Why is it? That seems really hard. Yeah, it is. Okay. But that's exactly what you've been given from Jesus. It's exactly. This is exactly what God gave you. Freely given grace. See, sometimes we don't understand the the difference between grace and forgiveness, okay? So I'm just going to be real practical this morning as we walk through this section. Grace is a decision that involves you and God. You're offended. Somebody did something that you took offense to. You just go to God and you say, God, I'm going to give them grace. You know who knows? You, God, nobody else. Because nobody else needed to be involved in that. It was simply your offense that you were carrying. It was a wrong that you felt somebody did to you. And all you had to do was extend some grace and say, God, I'm not carrying this anymore. I just want to give them grace. But that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is a decision that involves you and God and another. You and God. And and forgiveness is where... There has to be somebody else involved. The situation requires that there be some conversations that are had. Most of the time, forgiveness is, is, is necessary when behavior has to change. When this cannot continue to go the way that it's had. Now, I can give grace where there was things that just, it, it was preferences. It was, but, when, but when it's sinful patterns of behavior, when it's things that are continually providing tension, there needs to be forgiveness. This is a process that involves you, God, and another person. And we need to remember when we do this, we need to remember that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. This is what the Bible says in Romans 3, 23. Look at this. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we, look at this, we are justified, which means, the word justified means we are made right. We are made right by His grace as a gift. You are not made right because of what you did. There is not a circumstance when you look back and you go, but I was right. No, you weren't. If you're arguing that you were right, you're wrong in your pride over your rightness. And we need to recognize that all of us have sinned. All of us in our lives have fallen short of the glory of God. God has high expectations 
But he has given us lots and lots of grace. Lots and lots of grace. And some of y'all, some of y'all don't get grace because you're like, I'll give grace when they start acting like they deserve it. It's not grace if you deserve it. It's not grace if you deserve it. We blow that so often. You need to not on that, but then you need to forgive yourself. Okay? Number two, forgive yourself. Because here's the thing, right? There's no problem in a relationship that is one person's problem. Now, it might be only 5% your problem and 95% theirs, but when the two become one, when we live in community with each other, it is us, not me and you. And there is no you problem, me problem, it's our problem. Which means that every time relationally, there's a problem that's emerging. You, as a person, even if it appears to be their problem, you have some part that you've played. And I think one of the most significant barriers to us experiencing forgiveness is us recognizing that and then forgiving ourselves for it. So one of the huge barriers to forgiveness is admitting our part in the problem. I mean, you need to own your part of the problem and the solution. This is, this is hey, if you're getting in a fight because your husband's coming home 30 minutes late and you think he's supposed to be there at 636, but he's coming home at 630 and that's a constant tension, all right? You need to own that, hey, I'm, I'm probably not being as gracious as I should be. But let me just say this. This is true in every dynamic, okay? And in some cases, it's really hard. So not too long ago, sat down with a woman who had been in an abusive relationship for five years, physically abusive. And the shame that was wrapped around the fact that she could not admit to herself that she was in an abusive relationship, stand up and say, I'm walking out the door. I'm not going to take this anymore. Let me just say this. If you're in an abusive relationship, abuse is not a part of God's plan for a relationship. Okay? Forgiveness is, reconciliation is, but abuse is not. And that shame for not walking out when she saw the signs of abuse coming kept her trapped in that problem. We need to forgive ourselves. But then, number three, we need to forgive and love as you have been forgiven and loved. The Bible is so beautiful. Last week I went to a passage of scripture to show you, just for you to see um, where, where joy and peace and love come from. And, and I want to pull that passage out because I want you to see that there's so many lessons that we can learn from scripture that, that often come from even just the same passage, just studying it a little more, bit more in depth. Think about that. To forgive and love as you have been forgiven and loved. Look at what John 15 verses 12 and 13, look at this. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There is no greater love than to lay one down one's life for one's friend. Love each other the same way. Forgive and love as you have been forgiven and loved. I want you to watch this video that shows us what that looks like. Watch this. 
it was one of the few Wednesday games that we had throughout the season. And uh, if we weren't have been playing baseball that night, Chris Singleton would have probably been at AME Church with his mother. By the time I was finishing up my game, she was still at the church. So I think I got home about 9, 9.30. got a call from a lady at the church on my mom's phone and I answered it and I was like she was very frantic saying is there another adult around is there another adult around I said no it's just me and she said oh well you're gonna have to come down here something something bad happened all units responding 110 Calhoun Street give me at least four medic units when I got down there the lady told me that my mom's got my mom got shot when, I, when she told me that, I didn't know what to think. Respond to incident 10, incident 10. Active shooter, multiple people down. I was just hoping and praying that my mom wasn't severely hurt in any way. At 9.05 this evening, we received a call a shooting that had occurred at the church here on Calhoun Street. When officers arrived, they found eight deceased individuals inside of the church. We are looking for a white male, uh, approximately 21 years old. Any word on the victim's names at this time, Chief? We are, uh, we are not able to release any of that. The coroner is now working that particular part of the investigation. I cried a lot that night. I cried so much that I couldn't even really cry anymore. The coroner came in and said there's eight dead bodies and one in the hospital, I think she said. When she told me that, I just, I kind of lost hope. What did she tell you? She told us that my, my mom was actually been killed. I couldn't, it's not like I couldn't cry, but like I felt myself trembling as if I was about to cry, but the tears wouldn't come out. confirmed it is a suspect from Charleston shooting. We have just learned the suspect, 21-year-old Dylan Roof, has been caught in North Carolina. Do you forgive him for doing this? There's either two things you can do. You can forgive him or not forgive him, and I chose to forgive him because that's what my mom would do. At first I was like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, seriously? And then after a while, I, um, like I said, I prayed on it and I thought about it and I was like, maybe this is best because it's just like a really bad feeling to be like consumed with like hatred. On June 17th, 2015, Dylan Roof walked into Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina with the intention of starting a race war as he shot and killed eight individuals in that church in a Bible study. Chris Singleton, who you just saw in that interview, the day after his mom had been killed, held a press conference with his baseball team, and he said these words. No matter how much hate is in the world, it's no match for love. Love is always stronger 
than hate. Somebody asked him, have you forgiven him? And he said, we've already forgiven him for what he's done. There's nothing but love from our family, Chris Singleton, his mom. Sharondra Coleman Singleton was on staff at that church and murdered in the shooting. I want you to see statements that came from the other victims' families. I forgive you. My family forgives you, said Anthony Thompson, whose relative Myra Thompson was killed. We would like you to take this opportunity to repent. Do that, and you'll be better off than you are right now. I forgive you, said the daughter of Ethel Lance. You took something precious from me. I will never talk to her again. I'll never be able to hold her ever again. But I forgive you. I acknowledge that I'm very angry, said Bethane Middleton Brown, who said her slain sister, Middleton Doctor, would have urged us to love. She taught me, pay attention to this, that we are the family that love built. And we have no room for hating. So we have to forgive. See, I want you to understand today. As followers of Jesus, we live in a family that love built. And there is no room for hate. And because there's no room for hate, there is no room for unforgiveness. If those people could stand in the midst of an unbelievable tragedy and choose love, choose forgiveness, that I, don't, I really don't care what you're facing. I know that you can too. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.